0: Well sound
1: Take your sticking paws off me, you damn dirty ape!
0: Stinking Paul's podcast with Scott here. Hi, no Paul and Liam this week once again. Thankfully, um, I would say by popular demand, but it was by my demand. Stephen is back with us. Hello, sir.
2: Yeah, you don't constitute popular. Um, <laughs> so, but I'm very happy to be here and uh, hopefully um, it's not too unwelcome for the actual listening audience.
0: Yeah, it's it's a pleasure to have you on board because the episodes that I do with Paul and Liam sort of develop into a drunken mess by the end of the evening. So it's, it's quite nice to be sitting here sensible and I was going to say sober on a Sunday morning, which is a bit ironic considering the film we're going to be talking
2: about. It is quite <laughs> apt, yes. And yes, absolutely. I mean, for, for all their virtues um, with Liam and Paul, mm. it, is a, it is a bit of a different focus on um, the reviews to what you get from me I completely appreciate that it's a pleasure for me to be able to come on
0: yeah. uh,
2: so maybe one day I will do a show with them but um, I, I doubt I'll be indulging in any
0: you will be any drunkenness Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you'll be the soberest man in the room sir as always it's a first time watch for you it's The Days of Wine and Roses from 1962 starring Jack Lemmon Lee Remick before I play the trailer just give us your brief thoughts because it was a first time watch for you last night yeah?
2: it was and uh, never seen it before, heard of it. Just one of those that I just never got around to watching. So not for any particular reason, just it just kept being put off. There was echoes of sort of other films and things from it, but ultimately it's a it's a, a very individual film mm-hmm. that that stands out and really punches to oh, you really, yeah. in, in a but in a, not in an aggressive way. It just sort of leaves a, a, a sort of a, a ripple of shock, really, <laughs> in in the way that it's, um, it it pans out. You know, you can talk about the, the where you get the feeling of other films from that yes. subsequently come after it. Of course, but um, but yeah, it's, it um it is really a, a towering film in in many ways. And yeah, from my perspective, obviously as somebody who doesn't drink. Um, it, it kind of you know, <laughs> re- reconfirming my d- life choices <laughs> um, it's, a film, so, yes, it's astounding really. yeah
0: it's a film I don't think gets talked about very often it's it's one that's sort of lost in the mist of time and, and unrightly unjustly so I think so let's play the trailer and we're going to have a little chat about it straight afterwards as I say it's The Days of Wine and Roses directed by Blake Edwards back after this
1: this is Joe Clay public relations man. Public relations is a difficult and demanding job. There are many aspects to modern public relations.
3: And uh, anyway, my agency is uh, throwing a party, uh, or rather we're inviting the people for our party, on Prince Harun Badul's yacht, and they suggested that you might be a very welcome addition. What, honey? No, not Abe Bedul. It's it's Abe. Prince Harun Bedul. It's his party on his yacht.
1: And this is Kirsten Arnson, secretary. Being a secretary these days has its complications, too.
3: You're pretty. That's what special qualifications you have. And that old Lex loves to have you around to look at and lean on when he gets drunk, like he did last night. And who knows what else? That's what special qualifications you have.
1: Joe and Kirsty, they fall in love. Completely in love. These are their days of wine and roses. I
3: can't remember us ever feeling like this before.
1: This is the same man. How can he be so different? What happened to Joe Clay? I'm talking! I'm talking! talking! I'm talking! Here is the star of Some Like It Hot and The Apartment, Jack
3: Lemon to tell about his new role. Hi. Yeah, uh, that on? Where well, they can hear me? Could be a disaster. You just, uh, saw some excerpts from several scenes in our new movie called Days of Wine and Roses. You know, people often ask, why does an actor choose a certain role to play? Why Joe Clay, then? Not a very admirable character, certainly. A man who's apparently compromised himself in his scramble for status. A fellow whose day very often begins and ends in a bar. And when it, uh, it takes a boatload of girls to keep the client happy, old Joe's got all the right numbers. He knows just what he's doing, why he's doing it, and where he's going. When suddenly, in this woozy world of expense accounts, he meets the girl that he falls in love with now on the surface this would seem to be a shockingly sensational type of situation but the qualities of joe clay's story are not that easily revealed that takes a fine writer and when i read this script written by a fine writer named jp miller i knew that i wanted to play this part more than any part i have ever been lucky enough to play thing to say, I have never really come out and made a pitch like this for any picture I've been connected with and I'm doing it now because I believe so strongly and deeply in the Days of Wine and Roses and I hope you do too Thank you
0: The Days of Wine and Roses, released in the UK in 1963, but I think it was a US release the year before directed as I say by Blake Edwards starring Jack Lemmon, Lee Remick Charles Bickford, Jack Klugman is in there as well The Synopsis I'm lifting this straight from IMDB Joe Clay is a top-notch public relations man Anything a client wants, Joe can arrange From Dancing Girls to an article in a prominent magazine But part of the job is drinking And Joe's ability to consume alcohol seems boundless When he meets the very pretty Kirsten Arneson She prefers chocolate to alcohol Joe's solution, the Brandy Alexander Joe and Kirsten eventually marry, but their love cannot prevent the downward spiral brought on by alcohol. They try desperately to break the habit, but continually relapse until only one of them manages to break free. Now, first time watch for you, second time watch for me. Now, I think I mentioned briefly when I sort of introduced this to you a couple of weeks ago, I'd only saw this four or five months ago for the first time, and... I like a film that can evoke an emotion or a reaction in me, whether it be yes. yeah, whether yeah. it be tears, whether it be laughter, whether it be a gut punch to the stomach, or even when I go away and you still find yourself thinking about a movie a couple of days afterwards, it's still there, you know, just niggling away at you. And I went away from that first time watch thinking, do you know what, I want to watch that again, but also I need to talk to somebody about this. Because, as I sort of said earlier, this film isn't spoken about so much. I think it may have been lost, I'm assuming it's 1962, so it's about the same sort of time as Lawrence of, um, Lawrence of Arabia. I was going to say Lawrence of Olivier then. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, that overshadowed everything. But incredible film that tackles the subject of alcoholism in a realistic way, in a way that is portrayed by ordinary people. It's not your Hollywood version of an alcoholic. These are two ordinary working-class average Joes, and it's, it's not a twist, but the way their relationship develops is heartbreaking heartbreaking, and and quite frightening at the same time. I mean, you've given us a brief sort of first reaction, but what did you think, mate?
2: Well, yeah, it's, it's quite a stark telling of the the descent into alcoholism mm. and how that can fracture what is um, a living relationship. Normally when you've got the portrayal of um, somebody um, up until this point, particularly when you've got a portrayal of somebody who um, is an alcoholic, normally they're either sort of somebody who is higher class or, or more jovial and who is, you know, the life of the party and, That kind of thing, and it's a bit more harmless um, fun. Or somebody who's a sort of down and out drunk who's basically drinking meths out of a brown paper bag. Mm, Yeah, you didn't have it that these sort of young professional um, couple who love each other—they're not drink, not getting into alcoholism as a escape from the fact that they they've had a, a broken down marriage or the death of a child or things like that or coping with some trauma from war or things like this mm. this is people who social drinking yes um to to some extent to help them cope with their own feelings of of inadequacy or or whatever um this is the descent where it's you know it actually is spurred by it's not by any of these bigger notions that are usually portrayed, and the fact that they are loving with each other and as the film you know it comes, you know it points out there's three of them in the relationship um, because it, there's there's a booze there as well as the yes. third party, yeah. and that's I think an important thing for this to be portraying because you can get you know um, Virginia Woolf and you know. It's a of Virginia Woolf, as you know, um, a couple mm-hmm. who are, are drunkenly um, getting drunk with each other and have a codependence, but they hate each other. Yeah, and that that's a different portrayal. This is one of the the rare portrayals of it's almost a sympathetic portrayal of um, alcoholism, but has it been um, a problem in itself and as a disease, rather than it being as a as as it actually raises the question in, in the film, about it being a weakness in somebody that they can just overcome with willpower. Um, and that's, I think, it's incredibly important in that sense, but it's the pathos with which the people act in the roles, Lee Remick and Jack Lemon, are, are, are just making you feel for the people. You don't hate them. No. You know, a lot of the time when you have portrayals of people who are alcoholics, you, you either hate them or you um, in some way um, despise them or something or or you just feel complete pity for them. Whereas this, there's parts of it where you're you're thinking, well, you should be trying to stop that. You're making a decision you really shouldn't be making there. But then again, on the other side of it, you're going, well, you've got an addiction. And this is this is a very powerful portrayal of that, but in, not in an aggressive form. It's 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 got some very aggressive moments in it with oh, the portrayals geez. of the, the sanatorium and and such like. Um, but it doesn't it doesn't jar with you. It doesn't make you feel um, the shock in in the same sense that it has in some other films when you've had people having violent outbursts, um, drunk in drunken episodes. And I think this, you know, it's a very very important that this film was done the way it was, the humanity of it, and that might be because you know the Blake Edwards and Jack Lemmon had um, a background
0: in comedies, and also also had a background in drinking as well. The well, yeah, them. there's that
2: as well. Yeah, because I think it subsequently came out that they're you know both were alcoholics yeah. at some point in yeah. their their lives, um, either before or after this, but. um Yeah, it's amazing performances for a start off. Do you know what? Let's
0: let's cover that. I was going to say that possibly Jack Lemmon's finest. There are some other great performances done, but he's definitely Lee Remick's tour de force here. This is incredible. I mean, I've always admired Lee Remick's work anyway, Uh, but since watching this a couple of months ago, I've made a point of going back and trying to watch some of the stuff that I missed... And again, she's a one of those actresses that have just been sort of forgotten. She was as pretty as Marilyn Monroe or Audrey Hepburn and all of those guys that were around at this sort of time. But she seems to have got second billing all the time. She never really got star, you know, above the, a name above the title um, credit. And it's a shame because if you go back to some of the stuff that she was in, like, say, Anatomy of a Murder with Jimmy Stewart, yeah blinding performance absolutely blinding performance um and as i say i think this is possibly her best jack lemon you touched on it briefly there's there's a scene there's two scenes that stand out with jack lemon um mm. the first yeah. is well let's, let's tell the story briefly jack lemon is a social drinker We we get the idea that it's all part of his job you know it's 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 schmoozing as well as boozing isn't it it's it's that, yes. you know because yes. he's an That's ad way to man it, yeah. Not, yeah and he meets the secretary of one of his clients who is Lee Remick who's a teetotaler they get off on the wrong foot quite a frosty beginning and he discovers that she doesn't drink she's addicted to chocolate that's evident from the beginning. She has an addictive personality, and it's chocolate. So he introduces the brandy Alexander to her, says, look, well, you like it, it's chocolate. And that's the start of it. And they form this relationship. The story takes place over a good five, six, seven years, we assume. What, tends, what what we see happen is they both become codependent on each other and the booze. And like you say, it's a threesome. They're not a couple, they're a threesome, because alcohol is always there For Jack Lemon, you know, when he starts his day he has a a two martini lunch and then, you know, comes home and they're sitting there drinking bottle after bottle, and it's evident that Lee Remick is drinking throughout the day. And and they decide to sober up. This is a very brief synopsis, actually. (laughs) They decide to sober up and after being two months sober, there there's two particular scenes that I wanted to mention as I say. They decide to reward themselves you know it's not gonna is it we'll just have a little drink after two months of being sober and they're staying with lee remick's father and he owns a nursery a flower nursery and jack lemon has hidden a bottle of booze in one of the flower pots doesn't it and he remembers where it is by saying right it's the the third table on the fourth row in the fifth pot or whatever it may be but where he's so blind drunk he can't find it and what develops is this incredible piece of acting from Jack Lemmon as he desperately goes around from flower pot to flower pot, just lifting them up first of all, thinking, no, no, it's not that one, it's not that one. And then the frustration kicks in and the desperation, and he just unleashes this torrent of acting ability that is quite staggering as... He trashes the entire greenhouse looking for this bottle and he finally finds it and collapses on the floor and just pours it down his neck. And then, equally as impressive and just as hard-hitting is a scene a few scenes later. He's in a straitjacket in a rubber room going through the DTs. Yeah. Fantastic performance. I mean, the, the two standout scenes for me, I think.
2: Yeah, and you've got the clo- you know, the the um cinematography on that is is great as well, in mm. the fact that they've got the um when he's in the sanatorium he's in the the corner of the room and there's the um the orderlies closing in with the um needle to yeah. stick him so that to um, sedate him and that that is you know, well framed as a shot. Mm. But um, his performance is, is just seemingly a bit you know, is um just Unleashing the, the depths of earth, the sort of the wildness um, that that provokes in, in a, a human being. He really taps into that seemingly. And it'd be easy for somebody to be performing that and to seem over the top or for it to be very pronounced and, and seem fake. But it's completely believable from yeah. um, Jack Lemmon there that it um, makes you um, accept that is a, a trueness of what goes on i mean I, I don't have the experience myself of um dealing with with people that have um sort of a, a go, you know going through withdrawal from alcohol addiction and such like yeah. um an ex of mine was was um an alcohol abuser and so i'm aware of, of the descent into um use of alcohol and, and uh, abuse of alcohol but i don't I don't know it from the other side, as far as the, the treatment and people coming out of it and the the, yeah. the pitfalls and stuff. And I mean, you have a bit more experience it is, of, yeah. of that. Um, Part of my job. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, every day. Oh yeah, it's, mm. it's your job as well. Yeah. Mm. Um, <laughs> 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 um oh, thank you. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> um, so you might have a bit more insight into you know, and um, that was something I was thinking after I'd mm. watched it that your Your perception of it and your um, review of it, being informed by um, your job working with people who are overcoming addiction, you know, probably puts it in a different light for you, which would be interesting to, to, to understand.
0: It's a slightly different take on my side of things because the people I deal with are not successful working people. You know, I deal with street homeless or... Or, or, or people that have reached rock bottom, you know. I mean, at least, at least for half of this movie, Jack Lemmon and Lee Remick were uh, Lee Remick were functioning alcoholics. You know, they were holding down their job, they were managing to look after their family up to a certain point before it all goes horribly wrong. From my perspective, yeah, I, I've seen people go through some of the things that were portrayed on the screen. Uh, with regard to the treatment, with regard to the after effects of, of withdrawal, um, with regard to people being in, you know, that craving, that that all-embodying desire that you've got to have a drink no matter what or you must have a drink first thing in the morning before you can even function. That's mm. something that's quite common to, you know, the people that I work with. you saying about how realistic, you don't know how realistic those scenes were. Jack Lemmon I read somewhere spent a couple of nights in the drunk tank at um, LAPD, must have been, I'm assuming. And he was watching the comings and goings, he said, of these drunk people coming in. And as a sober man at the time, he said it was quite frightening. He said, and and he watched people going through the DTs as they were released from their cells in the morning and how they were rattling. And apparently the scene in the straitjacket he got so into it he had to be he had to be sort of like revived by by the film crew because he just wouldn't come out of this catatonic state that he got himself into and also there was um one of the co-founders of the aa was on set for a lot of the lot of the filming and also there's a scene i think it's in the police station but they strap him to a table
3: i don't think it's the sanitary
0: i think it's and he said that 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 was introduced after his night in the drunk tank because he didn't realise that that existed. Um, And that's a true thing, that the drunks in LA were strapped to a table to stop them hurting themselves when they went through the DTs in the morning. So it's quite realistic. Well, it's a brutally realistic piece of cinema and a brutally realistic piece of acting from everybody. And it's interesting, I think, something. just going back to something you mentioned earlier about alcoholism being an illness and the addictive side of it. Jack Klugman, who plays the AA sponsor says that Lee Remick's alcohol addiction would have been evident from the start because she was addicted to chocolate. There was that. Yeah. There was that evidence right from the beginning of her addictive personality. And he said with you, he said the same as everybody else. That's a drinker. Drunk people do not like drinking on their own in a room full of sober people. And I know that for a fact, actually, that is true. And, It just... He almost bullies her into drinking. It's something she doesn't want to do. Even though, you know, he's introduced her to it gradually. She's had the odd tipple here and there. There's one particular scene where he comes in and he just unleashes this torrent of abuse at her, saying that, you know, you're no fun. (laughs) You know, I married you. And you're not getting involved in my hobby. It's my pastime. It's how I live. And and you're just pushing that side of me away, and and it, and it sort of leads her to go into it quite guiltily, actually.
2: Yeah, and I mean that, that had res- resonance for me um, due to to past experience of you know um, having a, a an ex who like their avenue of you know been drunk and. Turning around and saying that you know I was no fun and um, <laughs> it's it's ironic that you know drunk people um although on the face of it can in, in small doses be um entertaining yeah. uh, to, to, uh, in, in small doses ultimately drunk people are incredibly boring and annoying um, <laughs> yeah um and um so the irony of saying I, I was no fun when she was being incredibly tedious and boring
0: herself
2: <laughs> was was um was not lost but it's um it that is a, a true to life portrayal oh, in that sense of believe, what happens believe. i say the social drinking becoming um a problem drinking and um you know i i had friends who have had problems with it before of, of drinking. You know, one friend of mine who would put start his morning by having cider on his cornflakes. Yep. um yep. You know that kind of thing, and <laughs> it it's it you know it is a problem that we know about, and unfortunately, um, the the abuse of alcohol and uh, addiction issues with alcohol, you know, is um, seen as being much more of a of a poverty um, problem um people who are at the lower end of the social scale when in actual fact the the a large proportion it is the middle class binge drinking as we know and and people who don't consider they have a have a problem but they have to have a a, a large wine um with every meal and and things and this is i think betrayal for the first time in my experience there is that 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 message put across or that idea put across that Alcoholics aren't all either you know the hard bitten um detectives <laughs> or, or, yeah. or or the down and out drunks um that they are you know they are everyday people who have loving relationships and the the alcohol becoming between them is is a problem um separate to other problems that are going on in their lives sort of thing
0: mm. the alcohol movie the alcoholic movie is an interesting sort of sub-genre isn't it when you think about some yeah, of the great we're films. not going to do
2: another podcast as a sub- <laughs> separate al- alcohol films.
0: well we could new because podcasts. yeah uh, yeah you could <laughs> use the, the, the stinking pissed it would be yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you think the lost weekend with ray miland 1945 one best picture leaving las vegas with nick cage as much as people hate nicholas cage he gives a fantastic performance along with Elizabeth Shue in that film. You mentioned uh, Virginia Woolf. You know, yeah. there's that. Even this same year, 1962, whatever happened to Baby Jane came out. Yeah. And look at Betty Davis, the pisshead in that. Also, uh, I'm trying to think what other great drunk movies there are. You know, there's there's, there's dozens and dozens of them, and it's fascinating as, as you say that it just doesn't focus on a solitary being getting pissed. It, 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 they, they seem to to dwell on the relationships and the effect that alcohol has on relationships. And I think that this is an interesting twist on how it affects two different people, well, people with two different attitudes towards alcohol. And without giving too much away, how things get turned on their head, how, how it affects Jack Lemon is completely different to how it affects lee remick just watching both of those characters develop and their progression as i say over it must be about seven or eight years because the daughter must be sort of six or seven towards the end absolutely yeah and also there's the effect that it has on lee remick's father yeah um jack lemon's working relationship he goes from you know even though he's <laughs> he's basically a pimp <laughs> way it turns out to be at the beginning is that he's hiring hookers and call girls to appear on a, a, a is it a, a sultan or someone's yacht yeah um as part of a publicity thing but even then you, there's evidence of it as you go through that he's getting demoted into lesser jobs because of the alcohol he thought it was because he wasn't good at his job at first, and then he realises that, no, it's the booze. It's the booze. That Great scene, another one. He, he comes home to Lee Remick, who by this time is is pretty much full-blown alcoholic now, and he says, I looked at my reflection in the bar, yeah. in the bar yeah. window, and I didn't recognise myself. And I sent this quote over to you, didn't I? We're bums. We are both yeah. bums. Look at us.
2: And he says it's, you know, it's, it's not... It's not the politics of of the you know the office. It's not you know all these other excuses that they've made to each other about why his career has gone mm. the way it is. You know he's finally realized you know owning up to the, the reality that it is that he's not been able to maintain um, the jobs due to the alcoholism, which you know is, is unfortunate to have a situation where the alcohol is part drinking is part of the job, yet he's sort of lost the the control on it in that sense and that's it's it's an epiphany moment there that you've got where by there's a number of them in this film obviously mm. but that that is a quite a key one where it's not triggered by any major incident which I think some of the other ones are that is just a yeah. a, a realization of looking like he says he looks in the looks in the window and thinks you know that guy That Mm. guy, and then realizes it's him. Yeah. And um, she hasn't had that experience. She is a a shut in, pretty much, and with the daughter and etc. And the the impact, therefore, it does have is is different on each of them. But they're in it together, and 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 not in it together, and at the same time. And that's the difficulty with it that they become dependent upon their relationship, having that tie of the the alcohol, which is awful considering
0: where they started out from. Yeah, I mean, Lee Remick's downward spiral is a bit difficult to fathom out in a way because there's no reason for it apart from the fact that she's doing it to appease her husband. It's not as if, you know, she's she's at work one minute and then the next minute she's a stay-at-home mum and she's drinking to cope with the boredom or the pressures of being a full-time housewife. That isn't Hinted at at all, is it? It is literally the, the main reason she developed this habit, this addiction, was just to keep her husband happy. Yeah. Um, and in the end, she becomes more of a more of a sad case than Jack Lemon actually is. Um, first time watch for you. I mean, how did this affect you when you when when you finished watching this after ninety minutes or so? Did you just sort of take a deep breath, sit back, and go, oh? <laughs>
2: Yeah, that's almost exactly <laughs> yeah. what happened. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it you, you need to pause and actually think about what you've just seen.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, it's if it um, it's a bit odd because there there are a number of points in it. You know, I felt watching it, and this not not in a bad way, but I, the number of times I I, I was sat watching it, I was thinking, I don't know where this is going. No, you can't predict um,
0: this at all. No. Because
2: mm. and and it's a you know it's not a short film, especially not for the era in which it was made. Yeah,
0: um,
2: it's so there was uh, when when the end came and the nature of the ending as well was was unexpected. Yep, because I uh, there are a number of points before them because I, I because it, it didn't give me a proper feeling of, of of time as far as how long I'd watched it for. Um, I'd lost a bit of track of, of the time because I was so absorbed in it. So mm. I couldn't actually p- trigger in my mind, sort of look at my watch and go, oh, I'm 10 minutes from finishing. I just that, <laughs> wasn't, that wasn't a thing. So when the ending came, it was it was unexpected. And as, not just when it came, but the type of the ending as well. Yeah. So it did mean I had to sort of regroup a little bit. And the power of the performances and the nature of the story shouldn't be misunderstood, Mm. has it been despite the the way in which this hits out as a as a message film basically yeah it still is it still is enjoyable in its own way and shouldn't be something that is is seen as being too i won't say the word sober but somber (laughs) yeah um in its portrayal that it's a, a film that is depressing. I was going to
0: say, it is, it, is it depressing? It's not, is it? I don't That's think the it thing. Is. No, no, it could
2: very easily be in different mm. hands. Same as it very different. You know, it could be the 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 performances could have been more comical in in different hands of somebody who who wasn't aware of comedy so finally and knew what not to do yeah. um, in that situation. In a sense, with Blake Edwards. Um, so I think that the film did leave its impacts in that sense and did make me think, like yourself, think. <laughs> i'm I'm gonna i'm gonna need to watch this again not because not because necessarily i I felt i was missing out on anything i don't think it's a a massively layered film i mean you you could start getting into it in some senses you could be starting to question i don't know um why why every time when lee remick's character you know she's watching tv on her own while Mm. she's watching cartoons yes that's Um, true yeah and and you know you could get into that kind of thing of 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 delving into um meaning in it mm. but i don't think that's necessary in order to actually get
0: the no.
2: worth of this film and um yes i think i'm going to need to to watch it again to get more of um a stable view of it because it, it I'm st- I'm still sort of reeling a little bit from
0: it now, in a way. <laughs> it's the effect it had on me on my first watch, second watch, last night or night before. Um, obviously, the punch is not as impactful second time round, but I found myself watching it more for the performances and the cinematography. Like you say, it's Blake Edwards and Jack Lemon. You- you'd expect. A comedy, you'd expect a comedic performance. You'd expect a bit of comedic direction, and that's what's so surprising is is the performance from Jack Lemon, that just proves you know he's still got that Jack Lemon twinkle in his eye. But boy, he can play serious, uh, you know, with the best of them. They were both well, nominated, both nominated for Oscars, the pair mm-hmm. of them for this.
2: Well, I think it, I think it 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 benefited. I thought there were some other people that could have done it. You know, you, I think it benefited from having somebody who, like Jack Lemmon, who was seen as being more of, um, of a, that that cheeky twinkle, the 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 everyday man, the the person who, you know, had played in various comedies, had that mm. that that role, meant that people would have would have reacted in a, in a different way to this character.
0: Interestingly, sorry to interrupt, interestingly, um at a test screening, 40 people walked out. Um and the head of Fox or Warner's, whoever it was that distributed the movie was like, "Oh my god, what what's gone on? What have we done wrong?" And they realized because they hadn't promoted it when they invited people to the press screenings as a drama. They automatically saw Blake Edwards and Jack Lemon and thought it was a comedy and they walked out after twenty minutes realising that it was this hard hitting <laughs> drama about alcoholics.
2: But if you'd had it dissonant uh, dissonance with what people were expecting and, and what they were getting, I mean if you'd mm. had it you had it, um that somebody I don't know, um Cary Grant yeah. say, portraying it, it would have been you know, there would have be been more glamour to the to the idea of the of the drunkenness in a way, probably at yeah. least perceived um, it would have been more difficult to get over that to see the, the, the real impact and the everydayness of the character
0: mm.
2: and people would have been been expecting something a bit different. Whereas with Jack Lemon that it is portraying that everyday guy, the the the, the man next door mm. yeah. um idea that then puts this in context as far as uh, the descent into um, the addiction that anybody could
0: suffer. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, that comes across incredibly well because, as you say, Jack Lemmon is that sort of actor that looks like the guy next door. You know, he, he just comes across as that. And, and the same with Lee Remick. As beautiful and as glamorous as she was, you can quite easily believe that she is a secretary at a major company she slowly spirals downwards into this pit of despair. The, the character she portrays in like the second half of the movie is also completely believable. And I think it's no mean feat from sort of Blake Edwards to portray that. The script was fantastic. There's some great lines in this. And interestingly, as hard-hitting as this movie is, I'd say you've, you've received the gut punch and had to take a breath after watching it, it was based on a play, a TV play, Originally from, I think, about four years earlier, and it starred Cliff Robertson and Piper Laurie in pretty much the same, pretty much the same roles, the same story. And by all accounts, I haven't seen it. By all accounts, it was even more hard-hitting than this, right? Which it, it, well, I find hard to believe. But I've got to try and find a copy of that and have a little look just to compare. I absolutely loved it second time round, mate. Absolutely fantastic film. Yeah. I can, yeah,
2: and I understand why it appealed to me in, in you know, a sense of being a great dramatic portrayal of of, of the problem that was, I think, only just starting to be recognised at the time um, for what it was. Yeah. And as you say, the the script is is great. The the lines that are, are said um, by all the characters basically they're completely right and work. The, the other parts of the other supporting characters are actually part of the story mm. rather than just, just being oh,
0: there yeah. as, mm. as an
2: addition sort of thing. I mean, the father particularly um, is a, a, a very youth, useful contrast. And in some ways is the audience in yeah. some ways, um, which I you know is something that commonly happens in films as somebody who is, who's, who is that character. But, Um, It's not, you know, it's the pathos that there is within it as far as the characters, and there's, it's not without a few bits where there is some lines that have some humor to them as well. Yeah. And so it's not all dour sort of descent into alcoholism because obviously at certain points people who are, you know, are drunk are entertaining, and there's there's um, and particularly before when they're just courting when they first. For when he's trying to apologise for upsetting her yeah. at the initial meeting and stuff, yeah. that's that's almost classic Jack Lemon. Um, it's typical inse- Jack Lemon, in- isn't it? In- yeah. Insecure, insecure man trying to speak to a, a, a beautiful woman and um, tripping over his, his feet and his tongue, um, trying to do so. And I think that that may be why people didn't walk out initially. They, were, they got past that point and then they started to realise what kind of film it was, but essence of the film is the the actual descent into alcoholism and how that's an that's an everyday thing for that happens in society and this being the first time that was portrayed was a brave thing to do but the fact that it was done so incredibly well I think is why it, it stands the test test of time as far as us being able to um, go back and appreciate it now
0: yeah one of the taglines on one of the posters that were released actually is very, very apt, and it touches on something you just mentioned there. The tagline is quite simple. It says, This, in its own terrifying way, is a love story. What a great tagline. Yeah. Sums it up perfectly. Five out of five for me. Five-star movie. Yourself, your rating system. It doesn't have to be watched on the big screen, this one, does it, to it appreciate it? It
2: doesn't have to be watched on the big screen, but I would recommend that people try to watch it if they can, because mm. I think it's in, it's an important film for not just... Within the the history of cinema, but also because of, of the way in which it portrays a message, but not in a, a preachy way. Oh no, not at all. Um, and the way in which it's done is skillful, and the mm-hmm. way not just um, the direction, performances, cinematography, and stuff. So I think it's a it's a film that is worth people going out of their way to actually um, give a look at
0: to be perfectly honest. Yeah, and and don't do what I did and pour yourself a large drink before you sit <laughs> down and watch it. Honestly, I, every time I lifted it to my lips, it was like this guilt was like... <laughs> and, and don't ever play the drinking game watching this at all. Don't ever have no. a drink trying to match those no. two on screen. Um, I mean,
2: unfortunately, you know, you say you had a glass. I mean, it was more like one of
0: those <laughs> big... big Fruit bowls. It is a large pint glass. I I will give you that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But honestly, I don't think I hit the bottom of it in the two hours that I was watching the movie. It was just, you couldn't, you couldn't actually touch it. Um, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to take a short break. Stephen, you have very kindly agreed to come back, you fool. So I will choose another movie for you and we'll be back straight after this.
1: And now. Preview time. When it comes to entertainment, you can't beat a good film. So let's take a look at what's coming your
0: way. Next time, Stephen, you are coming back in a few weeks' time, hopefully. I'm going to choose a film for you that's going back basically to what The Stinking pause was all about in the early days, and that is reviewing proper old classic Hollywood movies. We sort of developed into movies you know, made in the 70s for a brief while and we're sort of drifting into more modern movies now. But I want to go back to one of the golden years of Hollywood, 1939. Now, when I say golden year of Hollywood, it's incredible when you look at the list of what came out that year. It was Gone with the Wind, Wizard of Oz, Ninochka, Stagecoach, Goodbye Mr Chips. You know, it's, it's generally regarded as... One of the golden years of the Hollywood era. It's a Howard Hawks movie. Now, we know Howard Hawks for Rio Lobo, Rio Bravo, uh, To Have and Have Not. You know, some real classic, classic, classic Hollywood director. Yeah, yeah. This particular movie, released in 1939, as I say, IMDb lists it as an adventure, drama and a romance. It stars one of your favourite and mine actors, Cary Grant. It's also got Gene Arthur and Rita Hayworth in a very early role only angels have wings right
2: yes again you <laughs> picked one that i i i haven't seen but i know of. yeah it's one of the Cary grant ones that i've sort of got on the list of well i'll get around to watching that yep. at some point yeah um, so saw it myself so, years ago yeah. and
0: I, i've only chose it because I've, I've bought the criterion collection blu-ray and i'm itching to watch it and i'm thinking well what better opportunity than to watch it and chat about it with you and see if it still holds up, I remember it being bloody good as I say but I haven't watched it, it's one of those ones I watched as a teenager and never went back to so I think we're going to have a really good discussion on this one mate. well I'm, I'm looking
2: forward to seeing
0: it mm. ok, only angels have wings, now while you're here I need to ask you a favour, you are my co-host or one of my co-hosts on the Real Britannia podcast that is true it is can you plug it for us sir
2: well the Real Britannia uh, podcast um, for anybody who, who's interested in British film in all its wide variety mm-hmm. from from carry-ons to um, serious dramas from the more modern to the going back to pre-war yep. you've got the Ealing comedies you've got um, the, the Bond films you've got um, the the kitchen sink dramas there's there's such a wide variety in, in British film but there's always the Britishness to these films yes. and we try to cover the full lot with all its multitude variety and um, do it with a hint of professionalism just a hint um, but don't need a hint um, and you know it's quite a snappy podcast we get in there, we discuss <laughs> it and and um, just try to make people aware of, of what there is out there within British um, cinema yeah. to appreciate and enjoy. Britain, the UK, it's it's had a, a, a rich history yes. and it shouldn't be um, ignored, um, it should be celebrated and it's, that's
0: what we do. Yeah, movies are not just made in Hollywood, mate. Um, um, what I love about doing the podcast with you on a Sunday morning... There's also a lot of memories in there as well. It's about how we first came across the films as kids or you know young adults. And just going back and still laughing at a Norman Wisdom film or just memories of, like, as we always say, rainy Sunday afternoon matinees or bank holidays when we watch most of these films. And just going back as an adult and re-watching them is, is just a fantastic way of... Of spending a Sunday morning with you sir so thank you for that
2: no it's an, it's a joy for me and yes a lot of these films are the the rainy and um, bank holiday films that we first saw there or they tend to be ones that me and you caught on BBC two at midnight when we would just come home from the pub on a Friday <laughs> yep, night and um, back yep. in the early 80s yeah sort of thing Um, which you know was something we, we both did and that is is I think something we we I you say reminisce and enjoy that shared experience but there really is um a, a joy to discovery as well as actually covering the classics that we already know yeah
0: yeah fine podcast if i do say so myself well yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I, partic-
2: I particularly enjoy uh, you and tony discussing films yeah so, um and then I uh, come in and spoil it. Come in and so spoil, yes. um <laughs> So yes, not to forget Tony and his input into this obviously. That's right, obviously the, uh, he's um he's the the third in in this um, this, this relationship as he's, it were. is he's, he's, he's the um, alcohol in
0: this relationship. Actually. Yeah, <laughs>
2: and he's, you know, his insights,
0: particularly into um, the carry-ons, I think, is his forte. Yeah. The,
2: the carry-ons and the war films are, are yeah. particularly um, ones that it's in you know good to hear him talk about, and yeah. um, his exposure to them and his appreciation of them is is very interesting to work out where that's coming from. So.
0: Considering he's half our age as well. Yeah. that's well, that's, the that, yeah. Thing. that's the frightening thing. Another fine podcast is our sister podcast. Rainbow Valley I need to mention it very briefly by the time this episode goes out the latest episode of the Rainbow Valley podcast should have been out a good three or four weeks it's been off the air for about ten months because I've been focusing on on Stinking Paws and Real Britannia so I'd love it if you guys if you fancy listening to a podcast that examines All aspects of the stories behind the movies, the music, the personalities, the news stories of the 1960s, the decade that shook the world as it's built. The latest episode is the story of a Motown legend who, a bit like this film, is never mentioned. And I I told you the story of this lady off-air last week, and and you were unaware of, of the tragic circumstances of this lady's life it's all about Tammy Terrell and that's available it's Rainbow Valley so please just just try and have a listen to that wherever you get your podcast I'm sure you're looking forward to that one mate aren't you
2: I am yeah the pre I mean I knew the name but I didn't um, know the full story and mm. i had a preview of that when you um start started to get, just give me a, a synopsis of what the episode was and then it became like a mini episode anyway <laughs> which was a joy for me <laughs> and um yeah i mean that's something i'll be listening to um later on today since it's only been released and um yeah. i've been looking forward to it ever since you mentioned it last week to be fair Fantastic. Um, and it's great to have um, Rainbow Valley back because um, it's it's something that I know um, does take more work um, oh, for you to produce um, but you can hear that the quality and the work has gone into it when you listen to it.
0: Thank you very much I'll pay you later. Okay do, yeah. <laughs> Stephen thank you so much for being part of the Stinking Paws family sir. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on board again. You are going to come back very soon. I will do and it'll be my pleasure yeah. Excellent, mate. Cheers, mate. I'll see you soon. Okay. Take care.
3: The management
1: of this theater suggests that for the greater entertainment of your friends who have not yet seen the picture, you will not divulge to anyone the secret of the ending. Ask in infernal jamboree. It's worse than two cats on a fence. You dudes get lost now, you hear. Good night, ladies. Good night, sir. When you feel down, try positive thinking. That's what I told the man said. Don't wear a frown. Try positive thinking. Laugh at your troubles instead. You've got to look on the bright side. Confidence sinking, positive thinking, helps you on the way, my friend. When things look black, try positive thinking, treat every season of spring, no glancing.
2: We enjoy it.